Hello and welcome to Python Bytes, where we deliver Python news and headlines directly to your earbuds. This is episode 355, recorded October 3rd, 2023, and I am Brian Aachen. And I am Michael Kennedy. I almost said the second because I thought we were going to record yesterday, and we didn't, um, but <laughs> had it off. Anyway, welcome everybody. Uh, um, it's good to, good to have the show. Thank you, everyone, for supporting us through uh, purchasing courses at Talk Python Training or purchasing the PyTest course, of course, or supporting mm -hmm. us on Patreon. We love Patreon supporters. Um, and if you want to reach us, reach us uh, through Fostodon uh, on Mastodon at, uh, at Michael Kennedy, at Brian Aachen, and at Python Bytes. Um, and if you're listening to this, you can also join us live. Sometimes we, um, we usually are a Tuesdays at 11, Tuesdays at 11, uh, ish, um, on Pacific time. So, uh, join us and you can just go to pythonbytes.fm to see the link. But, um, we have some exciting news. Yesterday was an exciting day. Tell us why. We've been waiting a year for this one. Python 312 is out. Absolutely. Absolutely big news. If you look at how much stuff, it, it's easy to just go, oh, what are there's like uh, the, these four new features I care about or something along those lines. It's like, okay, well, there's a new Python. If you look at the changelog, Brian, if you look at the what's new and you scroll this, I threw this into omnivore.app and it said it's 48 minutes of reading to read the what's in this release. Wow. That's a lot. <laughs> That's a lot of stuff. That's a lot of good things. I think it's, I don't even know how much it's even called out in the what's new because it's a little tricky to put in the not new, it's just more. But the faster C Python initiative, I think, you know, is, is going strong for 3.12 as it was for 11 and it will be for 13. So not even covered in the what's new, I think, is Python 3.12 should just be faster. That's really cool. Yeah. But if you look at the, you know, they kind of, it's really nice. Even though it's 48 minutes of reading, they do put the headline items at the front here. So there's new type parameter syntax in PEP 695. So, uh, Brian, how do you like your generics? Uh. I haven't thought about it, actually. Or your, your templates, if you're a C++ guy, they don't call them generics. Like C Sharp and Java, they call them uh, generics. But I, uh, C++ calls them templates. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah. But yeah. Python calls them generics. We have that. We had it before, actually. So this is not new, new. Like there were ways, if I scroll down somewhere in this big long list, there was like, a, here's how you do it before, and here's how you do it now. Honestly. Meh. I mean, no disrespect to people working on it, but it's just not like a thing that that I'm going to be focusing. It's just not a huge deal to me, right? It's not something I feel like I'm going to do a lot of. Maybe. Uh, I feel like most of the places that I would have wanted to use it, it's kind of like the self-parameter sort of takes care of that for me. But anyway, very exciting for people who do it or do need to use this. And if you're building a, a library, like a package, possibly this will give you a lot of flexibility for extensions and sensibility and whatnot. But I don't know. What do you think? Exciting? Kind I, of? I think I'm not excited about it yet, but I think I'll be using it um, probably pretty yeah. soon. So, yeah. Yeah. F strings are all grown up now. Oh boy, they can do all the Python. So F strings, uh, I don't know if 
people know, but f-strings have their own separate implementation separate to like regular strings and stuff. And it's a, it's a, a lot of it was done in C. It, they're really wild. Uh, because of that, they're somewhat limited in what you can put inside the curly braces. There's like different kinds of expressions. You can do ternary, uh, like if tests, and you can just say like thing dot upper, you know, as what goes in there, but you can't write full Python in F strings. Well, most now you can. And the most obvious was you couldn't put quotes in the little curly between the curly braces, or you couldn't put the same quotes that you had on the outside. So, yeah, I, I'd always be like, okay, this this one's getting single quotes because the string is a double quote or vice versa. Yeah. You have to kind of think it out. So now it's like a little more freeform what can go in there. I don't know if that's necessarily a recommendation of writing your app inside the f string but you know it gives you more flexibility so there it is i am super psyched about 648 which is a unique per interpreter gill eric snow man you've been on this for a while congratulations and that this is out so this has mega possibilities to unlocking multi-threaded performance in python don't know that it's actually has anything to do with threads yet it gets way more manual and maybe even just at the C level. Uh, yeah, it said that you, the, the PEP says it's at the C, C API right now. 3.13 might have a Python API access to it. Yeah. I mean, what I would love is like, I'm going to create a thread and I'll pass a flag that says, use your own gill. Yeah. That way, if, or I'm going to create a thread pool executor and say for every thread that you create, get a new gill that means full-on parallelism in python i mean i'm sitting here on my well what we're um, talking about then is is basically forking off a, a new interpreter uh, from python yes in a sense but without a new process okay right yeah okay. so um why not you can't i don't believe you can share Maybe you can share data directly. I don't. I don't think. I don't think you can share it directly because it would have to share the gill. So I think you've got to like serialize the data over. But you can get better performance if you don't have to start a bunch of processes yeah. potentially and do some message passing. But you know, here on my M2 Pro Mini, I have ten cores, and all the Python I want to write, I'm only going to be, ever be able to do one core's worth of work for computational things unless I go crazy with like the no gill Cython or write some C code or, you know, things like that. Right. So this, this has the possibility to take advantage of, of, you know, modern hardware, right. Very exciting. Low impact monitoring. So if you want to like hook into events, um, for like profiling, debugging type of stuff, you can do that with less Heisen bug effects. <laughs> And also, one of the big things that came in 3.11 was, did you mean type of recommendations for, we couldn't import request. Did you mean requests, plural? You know, uh, things nice. like that, right? And so that's further improved. Uh, there's a buffer protocol, which allows direct access to memory of things like byte arrays and other low-level items that you don't have to like go through the Python level. You just go, give me the direct access to the memory. That's kind of cool. Nice. Good for embedded. You can have, yeah, I bet. Path, pathlib.path can be subclassed. That's kind of cool. Hey, OS module gets Windows things. That's nice. Okay. Uh, let's see. There's a command line interface that adds a SQLite 
three module. So, you know, you can do like Python dash M HTTP server or something along those lines. You can do that for SQLite now as well, which is kind of neat. Um, yeah, this is exciting. Async IO has some improvements with benchmarks showing up to a 75% speed improvement in certain areas, I'm sure, not generally, but yeah, bunch of other things. There's also some security updates, some the API, there's uh, performance improvements with comprehension inlining, and there's a Linux pro performance profiler. Uh, yeah, bunch bunch of different things, and that's pretty much the highlights. I mean, there's some thinning, some culling of the standard library. Like there was an async chat example implementation type of thing in in the standard library. So it's not anymore. Good. Um, yeah, so that's not there. But generally, uh, you can look at some of the things that were deprecated or removed. But yeah, that pretty much covers it. A few more type things. And that's that's your new your new Python. Awesome. Are you excited? Are I, you gonna, how long do you switch to it? I'm, I'm working on it right now, man. Um, Are you? Yeah. So, yeah. I just sec. Uh, and I, I'm going to tell you a story. So, um, okay. So yesterday, so I have been, uh, I've been slowly becoming one of the, one of the maintainers uh, for a plugin called PyTest Repeat. And it, uh, so it hadn't been test, it hadn't, it had been tested up through three nine, I believe. So, uh, so I wanted to, but it worked fine on the newer Pythons, but I just wanted to make sure it was updated. So I, I did some things like uh, move the, move the, um, uh, the, the continuous integration to GitHub actions. It was on Travis before. So I moved it to GitHub actions. And so 312 is out. I wanted to, to update the test to 312, right? Um, so this is using talks. And, uh, so I, I just went through, um, uh, and updated the Toxany file to add the uh, 312. I installed it on my machine. Uh, what's the problem? Um, ran it and uh, created a new virtual environment, installed Tox, whatever, and ran it and it blew up. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, no. Yeah. It, what, what happened is I got this uh, uh, Python uh, attribute error module package util has no attribute input importer did you mean zip importer i'm like i didn't mean any of that stuff so <laughs> <laughs> no idea um so i'm like trying to figure this out like clearly other people are releasing at 312 they, they surely have come up with this i dug through a long i was researching a ton on this um and uh basically i thought there's something weird going on between pip and talks and python 312 because i knew that the imp imp importer thing was deprecated i don't know what it is but i knew it was deprecated and it was taken out in 312 i think so mm -hmm. it's not there um and you know, mostly you don't have to care about it uh, except for i ran into this so what was happening i didn't know so i did come up with a fix though and i found out this morning what the what really was going on so it's a long story but i'll try to make it quick uh the the fix i came up with was there was a in in uh talks any you can say download equals true so when it creates a virtual environment it creates the um it, it updates to the latest pip so what was happening was but without that i was using an older pip 
but I don't know. I didn't know why. Why was it using an older PIP? <laughs> yeah. uh, that's the part where I didn't know why. So this fixed it, but it's kind of a Band-Aid. It's a little bit of an ugly Band-Aid. So what's the real fix? The real fix is uh, Vert- Tox uses a package called Virtual Env. So that's not the built-in VENV. It's, it's the third-party package Virtual Env. And Virtual Env has some cool features. One of the things it does is it keeps a, a little cache of uh, third-party pl- packages to, to store, to load up. And it doesn't update them all the time. It does it like, I don't know, every 14 days or something like that. It, it, it's a kind of a slow update thing. And it makes things run faster because you don't have to keep downloading all the time. But I had an old pip cached. So the mm. real fix was um, I went through and I probably didn't have to do the reset, but I, I called virtual env with reset app data um, and then did an upgrade. And I probably could have just done the upgrade. Upgrade embed wheels and it updated my pip, ca- cached pip to the latest. Anyway, so... I'm going to, uh, I wrote this article about how I patched it. I'm going to update it today to say, ah, uh, the real fix is to clean out your, uh, your virtual env pip cache or virtual env cache. So yes, I'm yeah. working on updating to 312. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, nice. Also yeah, that's cool. have to shout out to, uh, Jurgen. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. G M A C H. Uh, Jurgen helped me, uh, debug the problem today so that was awesome excellent uh one more shout out henry schreiner says the buffer protocol that i described is not new but the pure python version of it 312 is ah okay excellent (sighs) all right over to you uh oh i just did this uh (laughs) do we want to this 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 is my i thought there was just a follow-up to my topic this is your topic okay excellent yeah yeah cool All right, let's talk about the present by talking a bit about the past. So very exciting news. The, the Python developers survey results are out. It's slightly confusing in that it says the Python developer survey 2022 results. I'm like, wait a minute, it's September, 2023. Is this last year's one or the, no, this is the one that just came out on the PSF blog. They just on PyFound, they just announced like, these are finally put together, analyzed a report from the the end of 2022 is now out. So very exciting and also new. I did a video on YouTube actually, where I had a first reaction to it. So this is an 18 and a half minute video. I'll link to it. You can check it out if you wanna go deep. And because this video exists, we'll just kind of skim it, Brian. We won't go over too much of it, but uh, I basically, didn't open up or read the survey results until I hit record for this video. And then I just dove into it. So that's fun. People can, can check that out if they want, but let's see, if we can hit some of the highlights, uh, general Python usage, 85% of the people who Python, Python primarily that way. So it's not like a second language, you know, yeah. but it's mainly what they do, which is pretty cool. There's a lot of these that add to over a hundred. So, um, take it for what it is. And there's also like a little gray, um, like a, a light gray and a dark gray, um, I don't know, word or legend. And that will, they often overlay these things to show them side by side. So for example, it says Python usage with what other language? Like if you're not 
If you're going to use another language, what do you also use in addition to Python? Primarily being Python being the main language. And it has like, this one is the prior year and this year. Again, with the offset by one a little bit. So guess what the top three are? JavaScript, HTML, and CSS. Are those languages? No. Mm, no. Can you make it? Here's a rule for what is a language in my mind, probably. Can I make a thing that runs on its own from that set of syntax? <laughs> JavaScript, yes. C++, yes. Java, yes. TypeScript, yes. CSS, no. <laughs> but nonetheless, <laughs> um, yeah, and the reason I make that distinction is it's like it's a, it's a, um, I feel like it's a, a trade-off of like, I do Java or I do Python or I could choose one or the other, but they're not, if it's not interchangeable, I'm not sure. I don't know. It's somewhat interesting, but. I'm, I'm on the fence. It's, they've got, they're both complicated enough that um, I think it takes training to learn it. So why not? I mean, I wouldn't think, I wouldn't think of like any files as a language, but so yeah. they're, they're a lot, they're a lot more complex than any file or something. True. All right. So I, I think I go on that every year. So the, the top, top three languages used along with Python, three of the four, cause there's a, a, a combo. I don't know. I would really call it a separate language, but anyway, JavaScript, HTML and CSS combined and SQL. And those basically that block tells you, guess what? People build web apps with Python, right? <laughs> That's what it says. Yeah. Here and web apps are often five, six, seven different languages, which is partly why the web is hard, right? But yeah. there's that. And then uh, Bash and Shell, I mean, that kind of speaks to the DevOps automation side of things. And then C, C, Brian, you're kind of down in that realm, right? Yeah, that's most of the, half my time. And that's it, interesting that that's that large still. So that's cool. Yeah. I think another thing you would want to consider here, if you like look at this, is uh, TypeScript and JavaScript. Those should be the same. If you say HTML slash JS, uh, HTML slash CSS, you should say JavaScript slash TypeScript, which bumps that up even higher, right? Because TypeScript yeah. is just like a better JavaScript. All right, let's go. Um, if you're going to do data science, most people use SQL as their first uh, language that they're going to do. And yeah, that's interesting. Let's see. Some of these things are about like, how do you do work? I think it's interesting, this one here, what do you use Python for the most? Web development, number one. Data analysis and machine learning, which is kind of like the data science block. And then other, <laughs> whole bunch of other. And I think, I kind of think of Python as having a, a one-third, one-third, one-third kind of partitioning where the web development, API development stuff, service functions, all those things live in one-third, and then data science lives in another third, and then there's like the catch-all block uh, of everything else. So this kind of says that. Maybe the web development side's a little smaller, but the in the random section is a little bit bigger. But roughly, I think that's a good rule of thumb. Yeah. Yeah. And I think finally, legacy Python has been vanquished. It's been vanquished for three years now. Python three versus Python two, basically, um, it's it's Python three. It's like ninety four, ninety five percent. Ironically, it went down a little bit to like Python two made a bit of a comeback this year. Just barely. That's interesting. I think that's, 
it's probably within the variability of the number of people and the type of people that responded to the survey oh, yeah, more than yeah. it is a, a real trend. It's probably like, you know, plus or minus one or two, like plus or minus one would account for that just to be flat. Yeah, that's but true. Anyway, it's, it's like 95%. Um, and that last 5%, they're never changing. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? That's like the 2 million lines of Python 2. It runs the trading system. You don't touch it. Like that kind of thing, right? Well, I, yeah, and I know some people that have have frameworks built up on top with an embedded Python interpreter that it has Python two inside of it, and they it, you'd have to completely change the whole architecture to to rip it out um, and put the three in there, which I say just throw the whole thing away and start over. But <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, uh, I know that we're gonna it, do the big happens. rewrite. We're going to do the big rewrite. That's actually an incredible uh, joke. Not, it's not a joke. It's a parody video, like music video song. We're going to do the big rewrite. Maybe I'll put it in the show notes. It's, <laughs> it's not the joke for this week, but boy, it should be. It's good. All right. Let's see. I think that's, um, I'll, prob I'll probably leave it at that. Like I'll let people look through here, but like you mentioned, virtual oh. EMV, that's number one there. What do you want to cover? Uh, unit testing frameworks. Oh, is that a question in here? Let's yeah. see. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> so, yep, fifty-one percent PyTest, yay! Uh, coming in second, thirty-five percent none. This is a problem, people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the second most popular framework is none. Uh, third is not unit the test. question. <laughs> uh, hmm. And I think unit test is largely there because. You don't want dependencies, right? If you've got a whole bit of code that's only standard library and you want to have a couple tests for it, that makes a lot of sense to just not add a dependency potentially. Well, so, and I also got to talk with the uh, JetBrains and PSF and have them change this question because unit testing framework, I think you mean automated testing framework um, because mm -hmm. it might not be a unit test and people get confused by that maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, potentially. All right. <laughs> uh, okay. So what's next? Uh, There's some interesting comments out in the, the live chat here about like, oh yeah, we'll not be in a build system. Tox is not a unit testing framework. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, it, does Turing complete complete make a, a CSS a language? Is is CSS Turing complete? If it is, then yeah, totally. Um, I think it does. I don't remember what Turing means anymore, uh, <laughs> specifically. I mean, I kind of yeah. do, but anyway. Yeah, my, my rule of thumb is, can I make a thing that runs with that? <laughs> I don't know, but uh, right. that's that's the Michael rule, the Michael <laughs> rule. But anyway, yeah, uh, on, on to the next one for you. The next is brought to us by Henry Schreiner, who is in the audience. Hey, Henry, thanks um, for putting this together and uh, also letting us know about it. So um, we've got the scientific Python development guide. This is a, this is a big guy. So this is really cool actually. So this is, um, um, I'm, we're going to post both the, the announcement post and a link to the, the, the guide, but it's at both the same place, uh, blog scientific Python.org. And then there's a learn scientific Python.org. So this is, um, pretty awesome. It's a very comfortable comprehensive too so this may have this must have taken a while to put together so you've got um 
basically like a, how to use how to develop in Python um, for scientific people. Uh, and it's pretty comprehensive. I uh, didn't go through too much, but I was like, let's look at some of the tutorials to see what we got. And uh, intro to development. That's nice. Um, I was curious what they were doing for packaging because it's kind of one of those things I follow. Um, and uh, the packaging tutorial is pretty great. Um, it touches on a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, some at first, it's just talking about how to use package, how to use Python packages. But then it um, it's got a packaging guide uh, where uh, there's two forms of packaging. You've got simple packaging. And I'm glad they split this up because like, if you just have a bunch of Python stuff you're sharing, you just need simple packaging. It goes through Hatchling, Flitcore, PDM backend, which I haven't played with, but setup tools. I've used um, three of the four so far. And uh, and I like that it highlighted that um, really, if you click through, all of the project table stuff just stays the same. And mostly what changes is you just change the, the build system uh, settings. Pretty awesome. Um, and then, but for scientific, you kind of have some complicated stuff too. So this is great. You've, we've got descriptions on how to, um, how to do packaged Python packages with C and Fortran and C and, uh, there's CMake, there's Maison and Car Rust with Cargo, um, with Maturin, uh, and then in, in Scons, I haven't played with that, but. Uh, really great stuff and then it even it talks about classic packaging but don't do that stick with the compiled packaging or simple packaging that's that's what you want uh, this is a great write-up so thanks henry and probably lots of other people uh working on this too but if you wrote it, if you wrote it all yourself i'm pretty impressed but anyway pretty cool yeah that's a good one then this learning time how to package up these uh your packages is really cool also you know doing things like entry points. So you basically, once you pipx install something, it becomes a command line. Oh yeah. Capability is really awesome as well. There's a lot of neat things about packaging that I think not everyone is like, well, I don't want to put it into PyPI and have it open source. So maybe there's other interesting aspects still like sharing it internally. Nice. I hadn't checked out, uh, this is kind of daring to do it on live, but I checked out the test uh, section and yay, they talk about PyTest. Well, I haven't checked out <laughs> nice. their playtest guide, but good job, guys. We didn't just suggest none, the none for none. <laughs> we suggest not testing. Uh, so, <laughs> the world's simplest way to write tests. Don't. Yeah. Uh, what about extras? You feeling extra? Um, I am feeling extra. Uh, do Do you want me to cover mine while I'm already up? Yeah, go for it. Um, just to just I was gonna like do this extra attribute thing as an extra, but decided to just run with it um the uh quick extra is uh i'm ha keep continuing to work on the course chapter eight is up configuration files it's a short one but please don't skip it it's it will mess you up if you don't understand this so just a few minutes to cover cover some configuration uh and one of the questions i always get is what do the dunder init files mean within a uh in a test directory and I'm going to keep it a secret. You got to watch the course. Um, but it's, nice. a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, they're good things. So, anyway. and you're making good progress on this. I am. And it's a blast. And I'm getting great feedback from people. Some, some people from uh, uh, PyBytes uh, are uh, reviewing it and giving me feedback. Some people from JetBrains. Um, it's been, it's been really good. 
good community there. So cool. How about extras from you? Well, I have some Mastodon extras and I came across Mona, M-O-N-A app, which is a really cool, um, really cool client for Mastodon. I believe this is Mac only, yeah. Um, mm. Optimized for voiced over, optimized for Mac, native design, iPhone, iPad, and Mac. So sorry for people not on that one, but if you're on these, this is really, really nice. I tried Ivory. I know you and I spoke about it like a couple of weeks ago, maybe off air, but Ivory drives me crazy. It's like the big recommendation everyone has. And this is super nice. It has a free version or you can pay like $15 once forever and then you have it, which is kind of nice. So people can check that out. I think I'm going to move to that. Another thing that we talked about the other day, Brian, is um, why are these like weird domains so expensive, right? Like we have pythonbytes.fm. And to renew Python bytes out of is $170 a year. I'm like, why Why don't we just go with .com? Like, what were we thinking? Come on, people. We should have just done .com. But you know, when we came up with Python bytes when we started it, the .fm was all the rage for all the, all the podcasts. So uh, there it is. And it's not a huge deal, but you know, like we were talking about where does that money go? And the biggest winner of these is the .ai, right? <laughs> There's so many .ai domains these days, right? With all the AI startups. And it turns out that the island of Anguilla is a tiny British territory with around 16,000 inhabitants, but its domain name is .ai. And so the software developer who manages the domain told Bloomberg it could generate $30 million for this 10% of the GDP of this tiny island because of the .ai domain. Hmm. Anyway, I just thought I thought that was interesting, and I I just throw this in as an extra. What's the .fm? Do you know? I don't know actually. That's okay. a really good question. Okay, on to the next one. Um, yeah, Vivaldi. We're both Vivaldi fans, and I really like a lot of things about Vivaldi. It got a lot faster on the desktop recently, which is super cool. So now it's super super fast. Not the kind of thing you can demonstrate well over screen sharing because the latency of the screen sharing outweighs the yeah that but it has not been on ios and now finally 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 it is out on ios how exciting yeah i've, I've just downloaded it recently i'm loving it so. yeah so five days ago it came out i've had it on my android phone and i'm just like oh why don't i have this on my iphone this is in my in my ipad it makes me sad and I know people say, Michael, Apple's evil. This is really just WebKit wrapped in a Vivaldi shell. And yes, I know, I know. Thank you for letting me know again. I know that. Is it? However, it's still really nice that if I open up Vivaldi, I could say, carry on where I was on my other machine. Show me the history from my Mac or from my Windows machine or from my other, right? The synchronizing is awesome. And the the ad blocking is like next level so if you go over here and you go to the ad blocking section you can say block trackers and ads yes that's cool but you can actually go through and check off a whole bunch of additional sources for tracking and blocking so you can say i want the easy list and i want ads from um allow ads from partners you can uncheck that if you want you want the ABP anti-circumvention -circum, uh, list and a whole bunch of others. And you can even add, if you run like a pie hole, you can even add your own blocking list mm. for ads and stuff. So like 
super, super cool. Sync plus ad blocking. I know it's WebKit. I wish it weren't, but you know, it's better than not. <laughs> so there it is. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, it isn't really, I'm, I'm not, I don't really care what the, maybe I should, but I don't really care what the rendering engine is and all that stuff. It's the, who's, I, who's taking the data and sharing it with who is the part that I really care about. Yeah, I, of course. And this, this checks that box, right? Yeah. I um, do hate when you go to a place and goes, you need to have Chrome to have the best experience. You're like, there's no way I can have Chrome on this device. You know what I mean? I, I have a, um, I, uh, brought in a guy to interview once because I was intrigued that his website said, uh, uh, his personal website said best if viewed with Netscape navigator. And that's oh, awesome. I love it. <laughs> uh, so I love that little, uh, and it, it even had like the, the animated little globe thing that was going on. Oh yeah. The little, like the yeah. little, um, like a ship steering wheel. Remember that? Yeah. Oh my God. Those were good yeah. times. Yeah. It was great. Yeah, David out in the audience says federated states of Micronesia, apparently. That's what Thank .fm you. is. Yeah. F yes, exactly. Nice. Thanks, David. I yeah. love All having right. guests here helping us out. <laughs> I know. It's awesome. Our audience is excellent. All right. You ready for a joke? Those are all my extras. I am ready for a joke. All right. Let me set the stage. So there was the JFK speech right about going to the moon in the early 60s and it was like you know sir edmund hillary was asked why did he climb everest he said it because it was there and the moon is there and the stars are there we're gonna climb it not because it is easy but because it is hard right like that something yeah. like that yeah yeah i'll do I that again that was fun <laughs> no <laughs> we do these things. we choose to do these things and the others, not because they're easy, but because they're hard. No, the joke is, this is the software one. We do this not because it is easy, but because we thought it would be easy. Exactly. <laughs> Dang uh, it. Why is it still three months and we're rewriting this section? It was supposed to take a week. What a bad idea. <laughs> we do brilliant. this not because it's easy, but because we thought it would be easy. Um, yeah. Okay, so David shares with us there's the old school .am domain for Armenia .am <laughs> instead of .fm. Should we get? Should we retire the <laughs> .fm and go like talk radio .am? We could put like a, a phonography type of filter on our voices and make it sound like staticky and would it and would tinny. be great? Is to yeah do a filter and have like both have the .am and .fm versions and <laughs> have it sound like it's you going through simulate, any speaker. Si simulate going through a tunnel and it would get like real staticky and then come back just periodically right why not yeah uh, it. Uh, and filter the high end and low end so there's just like the mid-range and that's it mm -hmm. so i love it i love Cause, it because with the am you have to have the bad car speakers also oh yeah anyway <laughs> <laughs> nice cool um well uh thanks again for a wonderful episode 